welcome to the Chicago Humanities Festival podcast. The festival brings together leading voices in arts and culture, journalism and politics, and science and technology to help you grapple with big questions and go beyond the headlines. Today's conversation is from the program What's Next? Dion Taylor on the Youth Vote, which was live streamed on October 29th, 2020. You can explore hundreds of videos, check out upcoming events, and support this free content at chicagohumanities.org. Now you'll hear from Tanisha Terry Jackson, who introduced this program. Hello, and welcome to the Chicago Humanities Festival program today. What's next? Dion Taylor on the Youth Vote. My name is Tanisha Terry Jackson. I'm the Dean of Enrollment Management at Kennedy King College, and I would like to officially welcome you on behalf of the president of Kennedy King College, Dr. Gregory Thomas. In my role as Dean of Enrollment Management at Kennedy King, I lead strategic efforts to deliver optimum enrollment to meet our short and long-term goals while facilitating opportunities for synergy on the campus and in the community regarding the wealth of our resources. Kennedy King is one of the seven city colleges of Chicago, which is the largest community college system in the state. We enroll over 3,400 students in our credit programs with an academic portfolio that includes nearly 60 credentials, including our Associates of Arts, General Studies, and Sciences, 16 Associates in Applied Science degrees, 17 Advanced Certificates, and 24 Basic Certificates. We also have two unique centers of excellence, one in construction technology and the other in culinary arts and hospitality. We have a new center of equity for creative arts focused on bringing equity and excellence in arts on the South Side of Chicago with programming in arts, music, media, visual communication and design, theater, radio, and film, as well as our new IT launchpad that will launch digital careers that address the digital divide. KKC has the resources to, to support your unique needs, whether that's academically, socially, or financially with our new Statesman Scholarship. We care about your health and wellness, your fitness, your financial literacy. We have your success, your growth, your goals in mind for you to achieve both inside and outside of the classroom to dream bigger and do greater at Kennedy King College. Now we're excited to partner on this program with the Chicago Humanities Festival because young voters voices is so important. You account for 50% of the voting population and you are a powerful force and your vote and voice count. The financial future of young people, whether it's related to college debt, jobs, healthcare, it's critical. And young people have to vote the interests of young people. Most importantly, the youth vote can actually sway an election. You can learn more about upcoming events at chicagohumanities.org and help support them by becoming a donating member. Thanks to our captioner for making this event more accessible. All digital events have closed captioning, which can be controlled through YouTube. You can learn more about accessible services at chicagohumanities.org access. This program is presented in partnership with Kennedy King College. This week's programs are presented with the support of Fifth Third Bank. Please help me in welcoming Shakina Perry and Dion Taylor. Hello. <laughs> hey, what's going on, um, everyone? Uh, thank you all for joining today uh, for this important conversation. As mentioned, my name is Shakina Perry. I have the honor of moderating today's mm -hmm. conversation with the Dion Taylor, film producer, screenwriter, all of the above. Dion, I want to just take a moment, just thank you for joining us for this conversation today. As mentioned, the youth vote is super important. We're five days until election day. But before we even jump into that, I just want you to introduce yourself to people. Um, paint a picture for me. Um, you're a storyteller. What did a Dion Taylor chi childhood look like? Um, and how did that shape your worldview? Oh, man. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, so always dope to have an opportunity to talk back to the home state, man. Um, my childhood was a little bit uh, unique um, in so many different ways. Uh, coming from Gary, Indiana and in the Chicago area, 
Uh, I spent a lot of time in Gary, spent a lot of time in Chicago, uh, born and raised in Gary, Indiana, but you know, had a lot of family in Chicago. And uh, towards high school, um, I was fortunate enough uh, for my mom, who was a single parent at the time, uh, to move me to California. And uh, that was a really, really just a unique situation for me because coming from, you know, the environments that we come from in the Midwest, um, you, you're not really around too many different people other than black people. And um, coming to California was a complete, like the polar opposite. You know, you're, you're now the, you know, you're now the minority in the, in the classroom. We're used to being in the classroom where everybody's black or Latino or, and now it's like you, another black person, everybody else is white or Asian. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. As a matter of fact, the first year I came to California, I, I, I couldn't do it. Um, I ended up going back to Gary. Um, and then in the summer, I just was like, damn, all right, let me go try that again. Cause it just had got so bad in, in, in Indiana when I was there. Uh, my mom was just trying to get me and my brother a better life. Um, but from those experiences, being able to be in two different environments as a teenager, um, it really has molded me to the person I am today um, in a very unique way based on the fact that I really understand what it means to come from absolutely nothing. Um, and I also know what it means to see an opportunity and run after it. And uh, I thought what California... Uh, to me was interesting and how I was able to attack in California was I seen a lot of, a lot of people were kind of laid back. Um, we're in the Midwest. I was used to watching my mom work two, three jobs. You know, I was playing ball and do, doing everything you supposed to do. You know what I mean? We just was hustling, hustling family. And I learned when I came to California that a lot of people kind of, you know, the sun is out long days. Like people kind of like was more reserved. And uh, I had a different type of hunger. And that's, you know, all the testament to my childhood growing up, you know, where you, you know, you really are standing in, in, in the food lines and, you know, we don't know how we're going to pay our rent, you know, all those things, no gas for the car, you know, mom working, but that ain't enough. Um, so that whole energy just fueled me. And when I seen that my mom was able to move me to another place for a better life during that time, that also gave me a little bit more inspiration in terms of being a young black kid. Like, damn man, if she if she making these types of sacrifices for you, you got it. You got to show up and, and deliver. And um, that move actually changed my life um, because it made me want to do the best I could possibly do for my mom that I had seen struggling for so long, and then also committing herself to us as her children. So. You know, that that's kind of like the, the childhood. I mean, it's no different than most kids in Chicago now or, or in Gary, Indiana now. It's kind of like, you know, you want the things you see on TV, you, you're interested. But at the same time, you know, simplicity is, is when you get older, simplicity is actually um, priceless. Where you, you know, going outside and sitting on the steps all day, like, you know, you don't get those moments anymore, but you realize very quickly that those moments are, are, are way more fortunate than, you know, getting a new car at times. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, thank you for that. Um, and I definitely share uh, so many uh, similarities with your story um, as someone who's grown up in Chicago. And I think with that in mind, you know, as a kid, like we didn't really have those opportunities to take risks in that way. Right. Um, you know, at the age of 18, I could have told you uh, what I wanted to do for the next five to 10 years of my life. Um, because it was like just very linear um, and just knowing what that next gig is going to be. Yeah. You um, you are a D1 basketball star and then you made this pivot um, to go into filmmaking. Um, you know, everything isn't as clear cut all the time. Uh, there's a lot of beauty and kind of moving with going with the flow and having things happen organically. Can you just speak to that about, you know, having something that is uh, you're super good at that a lot of people know you're good at and then you said you know what I'm going to follow another passion can you talk about that a little bit for me yeah that's interesting and I, I'm happy to actually address this a little bit because I think it's something a lot of people should hear um, you know when I was growing up 
And I know, you know, it's famous in rap songs, but we really live that life where it's basically you was either, you know, selling dope or you was hooping. Um, and that's real. And I, I, I teach my kids that right now because, you know, obviously they're having a better life, but that's what I was doing. I was hooping. And that game allowed me to see the world. That game actually transported me out of Chicago and Gary to California. That's, you know, that game transported me overseas and I was able to see Europe and, you know, go to different cities and, and even in, in high school, travel to other places I would have never been able to go because I was on a basketball team, you know what I mean? Um, and, but what's interesting is like so many of us, that was it, that was the dream for me. You know what I mean? It was like NBA or bust or, or you know, get overseas or bust, like that, nothing else mattered. And it's a blessing to have that, that, that drive like that. It's a blessing to wanna have, you know, man, I gotta make it, I gotta make it and not be detoured, but Ultimately, what happened in my life was I figured out that the very thing that I thought was going to be my life and how I was going to spend my life ultimately became a vehicle to drive me to something else. Mm-hmm. And that's a I try to teach this to a lot of young cats, young kids, you know, young up and coming athletes all the time. Like, use who, don't let it use you. Meaning, to stamp your ticket. Go play as much ball as you can, but continuously have your eyes open to where that role would lead you. That role could lead you to politics at the end of hoop. That you know, if you don't make it to the NBA, that role could lead you to uh, back to college if that's what you want to do. Could lead you to construction. Could lead you to uh, selling real estate, or could lead you to film. And my story was it drove me all the way to East Germany. And I was in Germany in the middle of the winter time playing professional basketball, you know, obviously trying to look at the next summer, like, all right, next summer, I'm gonna try to get these workouts in the, back in the States. And while I was there, I ended up at the time having my girlfriend just send me a bunch of movies. She was constantly sending me DVD movies because, you know, this is before all this technology we got today. Like you had to get a DVD and watch it. And um, I ended up, because I would blow through so many movies over the course of a couple of days because I wasn't watching the regular TV, I ended up watching all of the making of. So on the back of DVDs, it used to be where movies would show you how they made them. Now it's, you know, now you got to get the bonus this and pay 50 more dollars or whatever it is. But it used to be that those movies all had this. And I found myself in a, in a world where I started watching all these movies that have been sent to me, 30, 40 movies, I started going back to all the movies I loved and watching how they were made. And I didn't know at the time, but God was putting me through film school. You know what I mean? Here I am on one on one accord, like, yo, I'm finna go out here and hoop. And, but at night here I am really studying film and I don't even know that. And ultimately I, I got the bug. I, I had an idea for a movie towards the end of the season while I was over there. And I'm like, man, that's, that's a good idea. I remember calling my brother and be like, yo, I got this, 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 this horror movie idea. He was like, horror? What you talking about, man? And everybody I know, same reaction. Man, D, what you talking about? The good thing about me was I'm always running my mouth. I'm always the loudest one. I'm always screaming. I always know the movie. So everyone kind of listened. Like, and when I would pitch this thing to them, they would be like, man, that's, that, that shit hard. Like, you know, whatever it was, they just be like, we like it. And that little bit of we like it. That little bit of, damn, that's dope. That little bit of, man, that's a good idea. Those little bitty ripples took me away from basketball because my brain went somewhere else. I was like, man, I would like to figure out how to do this. And I never had the intent of being a director. Um, I just wanted to write a script and go make a movie. And I was ready to go try to find a director and help me, somebody help me write this. And that that that's how I detour from hoop. And I remember coming back to the States and everybody like, man, what you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to do this movie. Oh, you trying to do the movie thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? You like, you know, you like, yeah, I'm trying to do the movie thing, whatever that might be. And first generation, everything. First generation, no one I knows knew film. No one I knew was a writer. No one I knew was a director. No one I knew had a business. You know what I mean? So all those things become 
you know, obstacles. And the biggest advice I would give anybody out there that's just kind of on this, this, this ride of life that's black and brown, the one thing I believe we should all learn is this, never be afraid to reinvent yourself. Never be afraid to look in the mirror and decide to go left or right. So many times we're so tied up into, we're so tied into, this is what I am. Oh yeah, I'm a rapper. That's just so, I just rap. You know what I mean? And you like, man, I've been rapping for 15 years, it ain't working. And that's not to say don't stop doing music, but maybe you need to go, maybe I need to be a producer. Maybe I need to manage. Maybe I need to, you know what I mean? Maybe I need to write music. Maybe I, don't be afraid to, disconnect from what that is and, and try another path. Sometimes you get, you on the freeway, you driving and somebody keep going fast, you going fast, you trying to get over, right? You like, damn, this dude won't let me over. So you speed up, now y'all both doing hundred miles an hour. Mm -hmm. The reality is sometimes you need to hit the brakes and let him go ahead on and merge right on over like you need to merge. And I use that as an example in life in terms of understanding at times something could just be a vehicle to get you to another place, to another destination. So here you are thinking like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a doctor. And it's like, man, you going to school, you're doing all the work, doing all the work. Then you're like, man, I can't, I don't, this really is not a fit for me, but you've committed so much, right? Then right. you end up, you know, then you end up being like, man, I own my own real estate company. I'm making $20 million a year because you decided that one day, like I'm gonna make a left right here. And, you know, I'm just saying, be open to that. Be open to those mental ideas and those moments. You know what I mean? No, that's real, Dion. Um, and I love that. Uh, don't be afraid to reinvent yourself. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, you're on this path, you're focused, you're grinding, you have a lot of awesome things going for you. And then you woke up and you said, you know, I need to do more and I need to make my voice heard in another space. Uh, yeah. So I was planning plan around on your B vote um, page, both Instagram, as well as the website, uh, visually appeasing, catchy. Um, I see a lot of young black and brown folks uh, being censored and their voices really being elevated. Kind of just want to talk about how did you come um, to bring this initiative off the ground? And what does it look, what does the creative process look like, um, you know, really making these events uh, come to life uh, across the country? Uh, how are you all trying to capture that youth vote through this initiative? Man, well, the 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 Be Woke vote, you know, I'm I'm because I'm a product of the environment I came from. One of the biggest lies that we've been told is that we don't count, and that has been something that has been perpetuated over centuries to us, and. You know, we could sit here for the for an hour and talk about this, but you know, what what the what the world has done to us as black and brown people has played a giant trick on us all, and so many of us for so long have screamed and yelled, "Man, I didn't hear every excuse in the world. My vote don't count. Um, we need our own system." Uh, man, ain't nobody listening to us. And every time I was the same way growing up, like mm -hmm. my mom was working at the polls. Since I was 22, 23 years old, my mom would volunteer and work at the voting polls. I'd be like, what you, why you, yeah, you need to come up here and vote. And I would never go up there and vote. Yeah, you come up here and vote. Never go up there and vote. And one year she was like, you better bring your ass up here and vote. And I went up there and voted. <laughs> and I was like, damn, that was, what was that? Like, that was interesting. I didn't know what I was looking at on the ballot. I was just like, I just knew the president. And when I came out of there, I found out like, so who's all the people on the thing? Like, I don't know, I keep seeing commercials for prop this and prop that. Like, what does all that mean? And when I figured out, oh, wow, this is a secret world that's going on that most black people don't even, we don't even tap into it. Young black kids, we don't even tap into it. Like, in other words, I realized that the local vote was more important than the national vote. Mm. And what's the local vote? The local vote is if you're tired of having potholes in your street, 
if you're tired of, of, of getting pulled over every time you go down Martin Luther King Boulevard, if you're tired of like, damn, man, why, do you, why all this junk is in the back of the alley, right? Like whatever, those things like that, there is ways for you in your own community to actually vote for different people to run those parts of your city. And you have the ability to change your police chief. You have the ability to change the person that's overseeing your city. You have the ability to change the school system if you want to in your city. And all it takes is for you to rally up people like we do so well and be like, yo, no to this, or we don't like this no more. And if you don't fix it, we not vote. And I was like, wow, that's like, it blew me away. And I'm being honest. And, I, and I've been trying to like, since that time, I've been telling my, you know, everybody we know, my wife, we just kind of started this initiative, Be Woke Vote, where it's basically education. It's like us going around and not just saying go vote, but also educating people on what voting means and letting people understand, like, do you know the story of John Lewis? Do you know, do you know what happened? Do you know that people died for the right to actually be able to go vote? Do you realize that there were people that were lynched for voting? And then it really pulls it back to where now you go, oh, I get it. And here's a big, big assessment for voting. A big idea for you to see it in more context because I'm fighting on, on Instagram all the time. Like that same thing, man, what Biden had to, he put 50 million people in jail and man, but you know, Trump, his economics is, and I'm going like, man, listen, then you get the person that's saying, man, I'm not voting for neither one of them. Mm -hmm. And that's the person I want to talk to. Yep. Because this is where we have a problem. Because number one, you don't think your vote matters. And number two, you got to choose a side as an American citizen. Somebody got to say something to you that you like, okay, well, I, I could, I could vibe with that. You don't want nobody in the in the White House that's being racist. Then you need to pick the other side, right? But now here's what I'm explaining to young cats going forward. You have to opt into the system in order to change it. Mm. In other words, if you want to play in the NBA, you can't say, oh, I, I don't want to play in the NBA because I don't like their rules. I'm going to get everybody from the NBA to come over here and play with me. No. You got to go inside and change the rules. You got to become a great player and begin to move on through the through the through the system in there and become the player development person. Then get to the top of the, you know running the now you want the league owners or whatever that is. And now you can begin to change things. For us, we don't have to live and die with Republican or Democrat. I know it sounds crazy, but people are like man Kanye West lost his mind. I'm like yeah. That's crazy that he's trying to run for president. But at the same time, I tell you what's great what Kanye just did for everybody. Anybody can run for president, <laughs> right? Like anybody that if you put together a campaign and have some thoughts and have some ideas and study a little bit of politics, you can walk out here and be like, this is what I'm trying to do. Now, if you use that same energy and you, and you really got a following and you really got a bunch of smart things that you want to do, then now you can come in and break the system and we can follow you or we can understand what you're fighting for. We can ride with you. And I believe that over the next couple of years, we're getting ready to see the entire political system break and become a different system where you are going to see young independents running that have a very, very good outlook on medical and insurance and jobs and and people are gonna follow that because it's at this point, it's like, yo, we just wanna have help for people. Right. At some at some point, man, you're done with the politics. Some point you're done with the corruption. You just wanna see us as a people get help. And I'm thinking that now with this COVID and everything that's been going on, I believe that a lot of black and brown people have woke up and now they're gonna understand after this election, like, wow, unified? If we unify, man, you could change everything in this in this system. Right. You could you straight up. There's not like everybody's vibing for the black vote right now. You know what I mean? It's like and, and people are like, damn, why do you want our vote? Because if y'all all vote, you're talking about a hundred million people saying yes or no to something. Exactly. And that's power. And that's power. 
No, that's a word, Dion. Um, I'm going to do a quick pivot um, since we're talking about, uh, you know, the importance of Black folks and our influence on things. Uh, you're a Black filmmaker, director, screenwriter, right? Kind of just want to get a sense of your uh, your filmmaking process. Uh, are there some messages that you try to get in across in your films? Uh, are you intentional about the type of people that you have around you when you're creating these different things? Uh, just want to get in your brain a little bit about what that process looks like for you. Yeah, my I'm I'm completely different than <laughs> than so many men. Um, you know, first of all, I'm an independent filmmaker, which you know is completely different. So it's always a blessing when I'm able to get some light on me because a lot of people don't know every film that we've made has been an independent film mm -hmm. that has just gotten international and national attention. Um, but yeah, my, you know, we own our films, we own our library. Um, part of what I'm trying to do is create my own content and be able to control and own myself in Hollywood, which is very, very unnormal to be doing that as a black filmmaker. Most times, Hollywood, you know, the system is designed for you to be work for hire, you know, meaning the bigger and better your movies get, the more money you get paid. But that's it. You get paid. You go make a film, take your ass home. <laughs> and, and most people are comfortable with that. Like, man, I made a couple million dollars on that one. I'm, you know, what's the next one? Um, my grind is completely different. I'm, I'm literally making these movies for a couple million dollars, you know, Intruder. Dennis Quaid, Megan Good, that movie was made for, you know, $3 million, $4 million, open number two in the world. Um, Supremacy, you know, all these films that we're doing are ours. Now, my message is this. In every film that I make, um, and this actually is why, you know, we're starting to catch a little bit of, of, of good energy in Hollywood is because I jumped genres. So if you think of... Most filmmakers, if I said Spike Lee, you automatically go, oh, I know his movies. I know what type of movies he made. If I say Jordan Peele, you go, oh, I know what type of movies he made. If I say Tyler Perry, you go, oh, I know what type of movies he made. Well, Dion is different, and that's what I've been priding myself on. I love all genres. So I have done comedies with Meet the Blacks, you know, the new Meet the Blacks too. We have done hard-hitting dramas like Supremacy, Maharshala Ali, Danny Glover. Uh, which was critical acclaim. Uh, I've done uh, noir th straight thrillers like Black and Blue with Naomi Harris and Tyrese, you know, and uh, uh, fun horror movies like Intruder and soon to be released Don't Fear. So I've made like my own little lane where if I feel like it's something that I like, I'm doing it, period. You're not going to box me in. You're not going to say that's the type of movie he makes. Mm -hmm. And what I found out as a filmmaker early on was it doesn't matter what genre the film is, as long as your message is the same. And in every film that I've made, my message that I try to push through loud and clear is people go through adversity and you have to get through it to other, come out on the other side, period. So even to the smallest, cheapest movie I've ever made, which is Meet the Blacks, Mike Epps is from Chicago. Yeah. He moves to Beverly Hills. He's lied to his family. He's lied about where he got the money. He's lied to little Duval. He's lied to everybody, right? Only to find out that all hell is going to break loose. Everybody's coming to get him. And at the end of the film, he has to learn that the most important thing he has is his family. And that's in the smallest film. And when you get to the intruder, it's the same exact thing. Adversity, a couple having a hard time. They don't know if they're going to be able to make it. They kind of on the rocks a little bit. Things ain't working out. They get a new house. All of a sudden, there's a man that drives a wedge in between them, Dennis Quaid, right? And he represents evil in that movie. He's trying to drive these people apart. And ultimately, they have to defeat him to find themselves. Adversity. And Black and Blues, same thing. Naomi Harris, Tyrese. She sees something, corruption. She has to report that. She has to go against everything morally right in the police force to expose these people she has to go through adversity to actually find light on the other side. So I believe that you can apply that to everything you're doing and, and be just fine and jump genres. And besides that, uh, when I was growing up and I started getting into the films, I'm like, damn, man, I started looking at all of our movies. I'm like, man, that's dope. And I kept every movie. I, you know, I love Steven Spielberg. And I was like, man, 
man, look at all the great movies he made. Everybody likes Steven Spielberg, right? I'm like, damn, he's incredible. Yeah. And one day I sat back and went, wow, wait a minute. This man made Jaws, E.T., and Color Purple? You can't tell me nothing. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? If, if, you, if you haven't told him he can't make those films, why will you tell me I can't make those films? You made a shark movie, an alien movie, right? And a, and a, and a post-civil rights, like, no, nah, man, I'm out. <laughs> right? I'm like, no, nah, I'm, nah, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. No, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think the our creative genius is limitless in that way. Um, and I yeah. think if more people uh, have had that approach, like, you know, they'll never box themselves in. And I think even speaking of that, right, it's a pandemic. Uh, everybody's in the house. Uh, we're going through what we call right now Zoom fatigue. We're on a Zoom call right now. Um, but, you know, it's a great conversation. But I think during this time, you've, you've developed a movie um, in 17 days. Uh, during a pandemic. So I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what am I not doing in my life that, you know, like, you know, I do some, some dope things, but like you create movies in 17 days with some awesome people. Uh, I just want to know, like, how, why, what happened? Did it turn out well? Like, just let me in on that whole process. Yeah, well, it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's that independent spirit. It's that Midwest spirit. It's that fight, you know, We, you got it. I know it because where you from, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it take a lot of work to get up and put the put the jacket on and shovel the snow and take the snow off the window. Like it take a lot of work to get out the house. And that energy um, is like in me and something else is burning in me a lot. You know, sometimes I gotta, sometimes I gotta like stop because I don't know what's driving me the way it's driving me, but something is really forcing me like, Dion, keep going, keep creating, keep making film. And uh, last year was really interesting for us because 2019, um, I was the only black filmmaker outside of Tyler Perry historically um, to put out two movies in the same year worldwide, uh, which was a, you know just a testament of you working hard. Like in other words, getting two movies out into the box office <laughs> that's tough, you know what I mean? And we released The Intruder and Black and Blue in 2019 to get like two, three months apart. Um, Don't Fear came with me sitting in the house and watching the news and being scared and sitting in there like, damn man, and locking my family in the house for the three, four months and learning and listening and learning and listening and being like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And finally after about five months, I said to myself, man, this would be a great film. I was like, man, just the fear alone, like, and if you understand what, what, what the pandemic has done to so many of us, what it really has done is, I believe it has allowed us to hit the reset button in our lives. It's the first time where you've had to shut down and stop everything you're doing. You're finding husbands that don't know wives, wives that don't know husbands, you're finding people that had a job that thought that was the greatest job in the world is now going like, damn, why have I been doing that? You're finding parents that didn't know their kids and now they're learning who their kids are and so on and so on. But the biggest thing that I feel like the pandemic did for us, it has made us face all of our fears because you cannot find anything to take you away from it. So when you was locked in the house for three, four months, it makes you reflect on everything like, damn, man, like what's going on? And Guess what else it did? For the first time in your life, you found out that money, fame, who you know, uh, who you connected to, don't none of that matter right now. You know what matter? Your health, mm -hmm. your mental state, right? And who you are as a person. All things that can't be bought. So it was during that time where I'm like, had a, you know, a moment with myself and I'm like, Dion, I think if we put these masks on and we follow these information that's being put out there, we could actually maybe be one of the first people to get out and go make a film because I had this don't fear thing going on where it's a movie about fear, mm -hmm. about these people stuck in a cabin. And I'm like, I can make this movie. I can make this movie. I told Roxanne, my partner, I was like, I got a movie idea. She's like, you done lost your damn mind. And I'm like, we got to, all we got to do is go to a cabin. We could be locked in there. 
pissed her on it. She was like, all right, let's figure it out. Next thing I know, we were shooting. And what we didn't know at the time, which I thought was absolutely insane, like when we finished, was we went through the unions. We got Joseph Secours, the star of the movie, T.I., um, Terrence J., King Batch, uh, Ruby Modine. It's just a sick, dope, dope horror film. I mean, if you love like The Conjuring or The Ring, this you gonna love this. Awesome. So we finished the film and I'm, sit I'm sitting back like two weeks later, we start getting all this press. And I'm like, what's going on? We then learned that we were the first movie in the country to shoot during COVID. Really? And I went, whoa, like that, that, like we were getting studios calling us like, hey, how did you guys do testing? How did you guys do your actors? And we were 100% clean. We tested every day, sometimes twice a day. We never had one case of COVID. We never had one person get sick. And listen, man, that was a blessing. And, and, and I don't know how, I mean, it's all God, but that shows you the strength of being hungry being passionate and also being independent because your independence allow you to move and can't nobody else move. You know what I mean? You, they can't, they, you, you can shake them and get around them when you independent, when you, you know what I mean? And I just was like, wow, this is crazy. I watched 15 studios still only until like two months ago, learn how to make a movie during COVID. And we sitting back going like, all right, we finna make another one. Right. So that's what I think was really, really cool. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw I saw some articles and stuff about it, and I said like a movie made during the pandemic. No, but that's that's amazing. Like, I I need to after this call, I need to go go take a look look at my goals and figure out what I'm not what I'm sitting on. Right <laughs> no, you good? You already do. You're doing it. You're doing it already. No, I appreciate you. Uh, well, I want to make a quick transition because we have some um, awesome students from Kennedy King College uh, that submitted some questions for you. Uh, so I'm going to start. Uh, we can get the first question uh, played. That would be awesome. Hi, Dion. My name is Empress Fuller, and I am a student in the media department of Kennedy King College. My question is, what drives you to want to stay so politically vocal? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think that's our duty. Um, as black and brown people, um, I don't think you got no choice no more. Uh, we've been we've been through so much as a people that my true heart and my true mindset is everybody's everybody has to be politically involved in order for us to keep pulling our people out of the dirt. When you, when you wake up and you realize that there is a whole system that has been built, and this ain't me just giving you some mumbo jumbo, this like this real deal, you could go research this. When you realize that a whole system has been built to stop you, you don't have no choice but to be vocal and to be radical and to, and to be loud and to be disruptive and to and to learn and to educate and to tell others to stand up because it is that system that has been laid in place that has allowed it to makes us dormant and don't want to move. And then we, it allows you to get a little place where you're like, oh, I'm comfortable here. And then you just don't do anything. But that's not what it's about. My, my philanthropy and my activism is almost stronger than my film. Right, because you, I have to be equally yoked in, in, in how, I, how I approach this because this is my life. When I'm done here, I gotta be able to look at my sons and be like, yo, I laid a foundation for them. It's not, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not cool with me where I see people don't have no word to say, don't have no take on nothing, ain't helping nobody, but they making a whole bunch of money, mm -hmm. right? Like. I don't, I don't, it, you gotta do something. You gotta say something. You gotta stand up. You gotta be counted. You gotta vote. You gotta be disruptive. You, there is no world anymore where George Floyd neck is kneeled on for nine minutes. The whole world is marching and you and your house going, I can't really say nothing because if I say something, I might lose that one deal I got. What? 
Man, you better. Hey, it ain't no time for that no more, man. This is the year of authenticity. And I believe that this pandemic will also separate the fake from the authentic. And you will see going into 2021, people will gravitate towards people that are real, people that have a true voice, and people that's not just out here manipulating, hustling, acting like they for the people, but they're really not. And without me saying a bunch of names, I think everybody on this phone can count 10 celebrities where you was like, damn, I really thought. And after this, you like, damn, nah, I'm cool. No. <laughs> nah, I'm, nah, I'm cool. And that's, and that's, what I, that's, that's what I'm talking about. So yeah, our activism has to be who we are when we walk in the door. That's real. Um, I think that you touched on this a little uh, earlier today, um, making that correlation between the stuff we see in our communities on a local level and how it impacts voting. Um, we have another question from a Kennedy King College student um, that kind of speaks to this, but if you can kind of talk more like in a broader sense outside of the local stuff, um, that might be helpful for this one. Yeah. So question number two. What do you say to students like me and others who wonder how our votes will make a difference? What did he, he said, what was the question? What do we do? Uh, what would you say to young people like him um, about how their votes will make a difference? Now your vote makes a difference because you are actually selecting who you want to run the country. And it's unified. In other words, right now, if you're sitting at home and I'm just talking about this election and you like, damn, man, I'm tired of Trump, <laughs> right? Like there's actively something you can do. And that means going to, to a poll and voting. As a matter of fact, you could even get more involved in that. You could take all your friends to the poll. You could tell your family like, yo, we all gotta go vote this dude out. Mm. That's your right. And you vote on down the line. Like everything that you, when you go in there, you look at the polls, it's all kind of stuff in there for your community, your neighborhood, all the way down to the superintendent of your school, the school system in your neighborhood. That's your human rights. That is the rights that you were given and that people fought for, for you to have. And you have to take advantage of that. The presidential election is only once every four years. Now, how did this man get in office? Because everybody kind of chilled and sat back in 2016. Like, ain't no way that dude go, nah. And then you was like, he won? <laughs> and now you like, oh man, now, now the world's upside down. And I'm not and I'm not here to tell somebody to vote for Trump or Biden. I'm just saying you got to you got to put your ballot in the box if you want to have anything to say on the other side of this, because if you don't vote, you can't talk about nothing. So I think I'm encouraging you, brother, wherever you are. I hope you do whoever it is you're going to vote for vote, man, because you deserve it. Your grandparents deserve it. You know what I mean? Your, your great aunties, they deserve like. This is what you're supposed to do. And hopefully this thing will catch on to where in the next year and a half, two years, when we have moments like Ice Cube, moments like 50 Cent, which I don't need to go into, you could have moments like that where everyone actually is on one accord where it's like, yo, now those leaders could be like, yo, I'm Ice Cube. I got 50 million people following me. What y'all want to do? A year before the election, mm -hmm. right? A year before. And then we all like, man, we really like that. Da, 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 da. Now that's how you have leadership. Because now we all can be like, yo, we all love this person or we like this person. And we could get that down to one thing. And now the whole country of black and brown people like, yo, we riding with that. Right. That's how you create change and momentum is by doing it early. And that's what we're going to start doing at the top of this year. For sure. Um, we had another young person, uh, named Ira Murfin uh, that had asked for resources that you would recommend to young voters about learning about candidates, ballot propositions, uh, deciding how to vote. Uh, I know two that come to mind for me is like, you know, ballotready.org uh, is a yeah. great resource. Um, you yes. know, organize your ballot and also give some insight into how people uh, voted in the past and that sort of thing. Uh, but also, you know, even speaking about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, we're talking about judges, right? Local criminal justice work um, here in Illinois, particular uh, voteforjudges.org is a great one, as well yes. as justicewatch.org. 
Um, but I want to kick it back to you, um, you know, Be Woke Vote, um, what type of education are you all doing around that, um, in addition to other things that you want to point young people in the right direction? Yeah, I think both brands that you just spoke of, you should put that in the box because they're both great. Um, you should definitely type that out because th those are the two sources that we also use and we recommend people to go look at as well. Um, Be Woke Vote is all educational. So what you'll see is in the next week, our platform will now change to more educational. Right now, we're just pushing the vote. Mm -hmm. um, but there are multiple things on the site where you can go read about voting, look at the lineage of voting, see historical things that have happened in voting. Why does your vote count? Learn how to vote. Uh, all those things are there on that site um, and ready at your disposal for you to check out and go look at. Um, but I would also say, if you are really interested in politics, like you got to crack open a computer and crack open the books and go do your work. You know what I mean? Like there's so much stuff that that you need to go look at and research. And like I say, you need to go take a look at what John Lewis was. Why, why, why were we celebrating John Lewis? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like besides the, the, the Netflix documentary, do you really know what the Freedom Riders did? Mm -hmm. Do you really know that these people got on a bus and drove through the South and got their head cracked because they wanted to get off the bus and, 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 and make a vote? or sit at a lunch counter, like historically, we gotta go look at who we are and where we came from. And I'll tell you this, because we're talking about the voting and who we are as people. Your history didn't start with slavery. So part of what we also need to do is begin to look at where we came from. What did Africa look like before the ships arrived? What did Haiti look like? You know what I mean? Like beginning to do research about who we are. We were leaders. We're champions. We're winners. Like we're kings and queens. And 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 you hear that stuff, and you'd be like, "Yeah, man, we are, yeah, what's up, king? What's up, queen?" Like, no, really, go do the research and check out who you are, mm -hmm. and and find out why it's been such a mystery that they've taken your lineage and your history and hidden to put it in, hid it from you. So now. It's great because we see more black and brown politicians coming. You're seeing more young rebels coming like, yo, what's up with this? How does this work? And we're beginning to see the same energy that we got for hoop, the same energy that we got for versus, the same energy that we got for the Birkin bag and the, you know, all this junk that's floating around, oh, IG and all that. It's people really now coming to the to politics like that, like, yo, what's up with the politics? Mm -hmm. Right? And I think it's beautiful, but that, that, you know, I think just go do your homework, go do your research and learn about this because I think after this year, this has been a polarizing year where I believe everyone after this has to get involved with politics for the rest of their lives. Like now we can never let the Fox get in the hen house again. And next time we got to make sure that we got somebody in there that we all love, we all support. It's funny, man, because as much stuff as Joe Biden is, is like fighting through with us as a people, I had to tell a young kid yesterday, I said, hey man, you know that um, six weeks ago there were 26 candidates, right? <laughs> like it was 26 people on the stage you could have picked from. Right. You know what I mean? Off word. I'm like, yeah, it was 26 of them. And out of the 26, this dude is who, and, 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 and that's what I think is like, that's the education of it. Like you had a shot at this. You had Bernie Sanders, you had a, you know what I mean? So now if he's, if he beats all them out, you got to go ahead on over there and go with the winner. Mm -hmm. If, if you, if you're Democrat, you know what I mean? You got to go. Okay. Let's do it. But anyways, that's another story. No, that's, that's real. Um, and I think we, we have one more question from a, a student. So just thinking about, you know, I'm reflecting, my first internship was with Kennedy King College. I was a theater production assistant, um, which is like crazy to think about um, that I'm having this conversation with you in partnership with them. So I'm sure you've inspired a bunch of young people right now uh, about your activism, uh, your initiatives um, and your filmmaking. Uh, so we have one final question uh, that's directly tied to filmmaking and they kind of want to get your advice uh, from you about that. So if we can play our last question, please. 
Hello, my name is Jeff Kearney, and I'm a student here at Kennedy King College. My question is, what advice do you have for a person like me that's an aspiring film and television producer? That's, that's it. Maybe you don't ask some more of that question, man. You don't give us a little more of that question. Hey, man, where you at now? Give him a little bit more. Give him what he didn't ask. I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> the biggest advice I will give everybody out there, and, and this is this will this will kind of cross the line outside of just film uh, and writing and 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 entertainment. Just get up and go do it. I'm gonna say this one more time, you guys. Just I'm not I'm not giving y'all a hallmark, a hallmark moment. Wake up and just go do it. The the reality is fear gets in the way. And this is what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation is the ability to unlearn and to reinvent yourself. If you say to yourself, you don't have no script. You don't have no movie, uh, you don't have no ties to Hollywood, and you'd be like, man, I'm gonna direct a movie. You're a director. Let me say that again so you understand. You don't have no script, you don't have no movie. In your mind, you like, man, I wanna go direct a movie, that's what I wanna go do. You need to make sure you've told yourself you are a director. You're not trying to be a director, you're not asking to be a director, you're a director. Same thing for a writer, same thing for an actor or an actress. The biggest thing that's gonna separate you from everybody in this space is your heart and your work ethic. The rest will come. I had no film school uh, uh, experience. I didn't even know what the hell a film school was. What I did know was what a dope movie in my mind looked like. What I did know is what I wanted people to say, what I wanted it to look like, what I wanted it to move like. I didn't know no lenses. I didn't know no camera angles. I didn't know none of that. But guess what? Because I knew the story I wanted to tell and I knew how I wanted it to look, I could explain that to somebody that knew the other stuff. And then gradually that part of the, the, the machine came and now I've met that and now Oh, I know, I know what lens that is. Oh, I know what camera angle that is. Oh, no, 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 you gotta go to a, you gotta go to a, a, a 35, we wanna go over here. Now you know all of that. But at first you don't know any of that. And part of this is just going and doing it. Stop waiting because you're gonna wake up. Oh man, I was gonna write, man, that was a good idea. I had a couple years ago. Or you go to the movies and you're like, man, I had that idea. Remember I told you about that? Right. That's what happens. Right? Or you wake up and you're 50 and you're like, damn, man, I should have, I should have. Don't be, I should have. Don't be, I should have, man. Like, straight up, wake up, fix yourself up. We all got to work. We all got to balance it. We all got kids or families or, or ain't got no money. This don't take no money. This take this. I'm going to go to work on Wednesday nights. I'm going to get off work and I'm going to stay up to one in the morning and work on my script. I'm gonna go to work on Thursday nights. I'm gonna take these three auditions, right? Or I'm gonna take my iPhone and uh, Maurice is a clown, Jennifer's funny and Tommy's sexy. And I'm gonna take them three and I'm gonna make a, a movie with them in the house with an iPhone on the 25th. <laughs> Whatever that is, just go do it. Because talking about it ain't finna do nothing. Instagramming about it ain't gonna do nothing. Writing on people's pages, man, I'm, that's what I'm finna do. Like, ain't none of that thing. Just go do it, man, because the results will come when you start getting active. You will start seeing the universal bend and things will start coming your way once you take the proactive approach. All right. I mean, um, we have four minutes left. Uh, I want to, before we wrap up, I have one more question for you. I just want to say thank you for um, having this dope conversation with me. Um, I'm sure that everyone on the call appreciated all your insight. Um, and it's always nice just to hear from folks that, you know, who 
kind of just popped up and said, Hey, I want to do this and I'm going to go, I'm going to go all the way in with it. So thank you for your persistence. So 2021 um, is going to be a year where we might have some change. We might, we might not. Let's see how it all turns out. Right. Right. (laughs) Election day is November 3rd. That's five days away. You also have a new film coming out in 2021. So I want to give you the opportunity uh, to one, to pitch your new film um, and let people know what they can look forward to um, from you in 2021 and also your final message to young people uh, for this upcoming election day. Uh, well, my new film is called Fatal. Uh, it stars two-time Academy Award winner Hillary Swank and she is opposite Michael Ely. Uh, it also stars Mike Coulter, Tyron Turner, uh, who's from Minister Society. Um, it's just a crazy, dope, throwback film. Um, If you loved Fatal Attraction, uh, if you love Basic Instinct, if you love Gone Girl, um, you love Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, it's just a hybrid film. It has all these elements of it, uh, of those movies in it. Uh, I'm super excited about it. Dante Spinotti shot the film, uh, was nominated for two Academy Awards. he is a cinematographer that shot Heat. Uh, he also shot um, yeah, Last of the Mohicans, uh, X-Men, uh, Ant-Man, uh, just an incredible cinematographer. And I'm hoping that we can push him into the Oscar race for this film. Um, but it's a dope movie, man. Like it's a nail biter. It's uh, take your girlfriend, take your husband and both of y'all cover your eyes. Uh, so I'm really excited about it. And we're just waiting for the release date now um, and I, also, we're going to probably have Don't Fear coming out next year, uh, which is the film we shot during the pandemic. I'm in the middle of figuring out what studio we're going to partner with to put that film out. Um, and then we also have The House Next Door, which is the sequel to Meet the Blacks, Cat Williams, Mike Epps, uh, man, Rick Ross, Snoop Dogg, Little Duval, Michael Blackston, King Batch, uh, man, Gary Owen. Uh, man, fuck Brisha Webb, just just hysterical. Um, so we got a couple of things coming out. My advice to everybody that's been listening and hanging out with us today, um, I think I gave y'all some real good information about just getting up and going to do it. Um, my advice is if you're trying to get yourself locked into the Hollywood system, uh, don't sit around and look for managers and agents and the only person that's gonna make yourself hot is you. There's no one else gonna do it. It's when you get yourself hot that all those other things come. It's all those other people could touch and help you and grab onto you, but you gotta do the work first. So get your screenplay wrote, let people be like, man, this screenplay is horrible, <laughs> right? Take it back, right. rewrite it, go online, educate yourself. If you're trying to write a screenplay, you're like, man, my, my movie's like Heat. Guess what you should go do? Go online and download the Heat script and read it and understand how that movie was written. And then you go, oh man, I'm way off. <laughs> my, my, I'm way off in terms of what I'm thinking. Just look at other work. You know, part of what I had to learn coming in the film was Dion is like kind of like basketball. We have a natural ability to play something or do something and we never really look at anybody else. We're like, this man, Mike, I, I emulate Michael Jordan. I'm jumping like the air like him. And you're like, okay, that's cool. But if you're really only 6'3 and you got a nice handle and you can shoot the ball really well, you might be a little bit more like Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. right? So what I'm saying is you got to look and study and look at the people that came before you and what made them great and how did they do that? And how was this script written? How did that actor start? Morgan Freeman got his first break at 51 years old. But Morgan Freeman wouldn't have got that break if he wasn't acting from 30 to 50, right? So just get up, go get busy, man. And it's all God's timing. You might see somebody else take off. Damn, that was supposed to be me. Like, don't, don't, like, kind of get out your head, man. Like, God will give it to you when it's time for you to have it. Straight up, period. That would be my advice. All right, perfect. Well, uh, it's 102. Dion, just want to thank you again for your time. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Look forward to all your, your 
dope things you got going on in 2021. Uh, for everyone still on the call, bewoke.vote, uh, voter registration, information, see if there's an event near you coming up uh, in the next few days. Uh, just use this as a resource because uh, it's going to turn into an educational tool post November 3rd. Uh, so That's thank right. you all so much for um, sticking around with us. Hope you learned some great things. And Dion, I hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, one time for Chicago. Hey, Thanks for listening to our conversation with Dion Taylor and Shakina Perry. You can explore upcoming programming and help support our work at chicagohumanities.org. Follow us on social media at Shy Humanities. Members and donors like you drive 100% of our free digital programming. Thank you for your support.